Here we go. Again. Oh yeah, baby. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today. We yeah. are going to recap UFC yeah. 291 and she. Yes, sir. There is a newest BMF in town, and his name's Justin Gaethje, and we're going to talk about it and everything else from this card. Just insane. Uh, we will also get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Nashville, which is headlined by Corey Sanhagen versus Rob Font. Finally. Per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts. But first, boys, how we doing? Episode 144 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are calling it, the Milt Stiegel CFL record for career touchdown receptions episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. Mm. Um, also heard some people calling it the number of square inches in a square foot episode of the uh, Neon Belly Podcast. The emergency phone number for animals in danger in the Netherlands episode of the Neon Belly podcast. That's what I want um, to know. But that's neither here nor yeah. there. Uh, whatever you're calling it. Just glad to have you here today yeah. on episode 144. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to get used to like the late nights. Like I just feel like at this point I should be like really well adjusted to Dude, waking it's, up. It's because we're getting older. So the older <laughs> you get, the harder it's getting. Yeah. I, I, I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've talked about it. Like the kid does not care what time I go to bed. So it's up at seven o'clock every morning regardless. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's not helping. Absolutely. Well, and the tough thing, yeah, 2 a.m. Um, and then, you know, you're getting like five hours of sleep, getting up early. Yeah. These, these pay-per-view nights are rough, mm-hmm. rough, but worth it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and at one point it kind of felt like we might be done at like 10 p.m. Yeah. yeah these fights. We moved. only had two decisions on the whole card. Yeah. So. This fight was moving. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I think we have to start out by thanking everyone, though, who jumped in on the live kickback show this past weekend. Um, You know, getting to talk fights and just kind of interacting with everybody in the live chat is honestly the best thing that we probably get to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're, I mean, that's kind of like, even when we started this pod, right, like that was always the goal, like interacting with people you know we're just fans too and that's kind of what we want this pod to be is just a for fans by fans type thing um and we're just also you know so with that we're just obviously grateful to john morgan cody marrow who allow us to come on the mma underground platform Mm -hmm. which has allowed us to reach new people which is obviously or because it's obviously a bigger platform i mean right um so but yeah man if you haven't jumped on these live episodes um the next one's going to be august 18th uh, for UFC 292, which is Aljamain Sterling versus uh, Sean O'Malley. Uh, who else? Zhang Wei Li versus um, Amanda Limoges. Mm-hmm. Um, so some big fights to talk about. But man, like like I said, it's. I mean, if you miss the blades and shades, I just don't know what to tell yeah. you at this point. <laughs> Brandon, how many times have you wore the blades? Because you did go home with the blades uh, or the shades. The I shades. Mean. So like, funny enough, I wore them like in front of the mirror quite a bit. Like that <laughs> night, I was like, I really like these. And then the next day, wore them on my walk. So I've worn them at least. Times. And did you notice that the the ones that I, I ended up getting and giving to you almost look exactly like the ones he was been wearing in yeah. all the promos this yeah. week? Yeah, <laughs> so it was just perfect, man. I know it. It really was. We were we were talking about that last night. Like, holy cow, those 
literally like i think his were just more like a bluish tint yeah. those ones you had were like kind of like more like a yellowish orange mm-hmm. maybe more shooting glasses you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh but, but yeah you don't you, you know you missed out on that you can still go back and watch it but seeing yeah. it live had to have been uh yeah it's just tough to say go back and watch it because it's basically just us going through and that's what we do so we no longer do our picks and predictions for the pay-per-views on these episodes the mm-hmm. week of the fights if you want that uh you gotta go to the live kickback show um and like i said man it's like every time we do it it's getting better like the interactions mm-hmm. we're getting more interactions um and um it's just really cool we're getting people that are coming back right, like, right. So we're getting a lot of the same people which is really cool because um i mean that's just how things grow um and we still have more ideas just got to keep it growing right. so please if you listen to this podcast um definitely go support our friday night show um even if you can't watch it live when we are live like Going back and watching it, I mean, obviously helps mm-hmm. as well. Um, but, boys, we got to get to UFC 291. But before we do, John, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. You already know what we're doing here, folks. If you got Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave us five stars. If you have Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review. That helps out a lot. Um, social media, Neon Belly Podcast. That's Instagram. That's TikTok. That's YouTube. Neon Belly Pod on Twitter. Dropped the ball a little bit on tweeting last night, but I was so excited about the fights. We had a busy weekend. I didn't think about it until afterwards, but usually we try to do a great job of that. Um, we just got a lot of content coming, so definitely come through there. Show us some love. UFC 291, boys, from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and I have a lot of buttons here to push for Justin Gaethje. Um, and I debated on pushing this one, um, but I think after what we saw last night, I have to do it, right? I mean... Justin Gaethje defeating Dustin Poirier via second round knockout. And man, uh, that headshot bang means a little bit more for this one today, boys. Uh, Justin Gaethje finishing Dustin Poirier with a beautifully timed head kick. um, And then Herb Dean sliding in to save the day. (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, gotta love that, man. man. I wonder if he practiced. You know, like uh, NFL quarterbacks, they'll like go to like baseball sliding yeah. school and stuff. I wonder if Herb Dean's uh, been hitting up the. Well, it looks like he slipped because he MLB one sliding of these as he was going. <laughs> uh, but man, I couldn't imagine being the only other man in the cage there and watching Dustin Poirier go down, especially a guy like Dustin. Right? You know, Gaethje becomes the first man to KO TKO finish uh, Dustin Poirier since 2016. Michael Johnson, the last man to do that. Mm-hmm. So if you're Herb Dean, man, and you just, I mean, the sound of that. And like I told John, it was more like a thudding kick than a slapping mm-hmm. kick. But what's almost like crazier when you when they were replaying, I told John, is you just hear Dustin go, ooh, like just like he lets out this like really mm-hmm. like, I don't even know where that sound came from. I mean, that thing perfectly wrapped it around the back of his mm-hmm. foot or uh, around the back of his head. Um, um, so I don't blame the reaction there by Herb right. Dean. Um, and obviously, you know, the biggest story is that ironically, that was the exact same technique that Leon Edwards knocked out Kamara Usman with in the last main event of Salt Lake City. So now back to back, Salt Lake City main event. Uh, a lot of pressure kick, on the next to head kick bangs the same combination um and man i just honestly at this point don't even know what to think um but what a moment um and what a win for the new bmf champion justin gaethje i think that was how that fight was going to have to go if justin was going to win sure. right like dustin's dustin is a guy who needs like a round or two to really start getting his offense going and kind of fill out the boxing but justin obviously didn't give him a chance to do that yeah. I mean, he was just in his face all of round one and i i haven't rewatched anything but from what i can remember that first round he was throwing quite a few head kicks as well 
well. And then finally in that second round, that, one, that final one landed. But, um, yeah, I mean, hats off to Justin Gaethje as far as just the game plan, putting it into play and finishing Dustin because, I mean, yeah. that was the way he had to get that done. Yeah, man, I thought that Dustin looked good in the first round. He ate a lot of leg kicks, but he landed a big punch that stunned Justin. He was kind of going back at him with the leg kicks, too. Yeah, um, in the Dustin head kick, was, he was trying to yeah. time that duck down that uh, yeah. Gaethje was doing. And some of those were getting close, that knee and kick combo that he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then in the second round, Justin just wasn't having none of it, man. He wanted to get it out of there, and he yeah. timed a perfect shot. And it even went through the arm. Yeah. You know, with like, with Usman, he didn't have nothing there well, to even block it. it did, but it, it wrapped around the right. head. So it was but just, if that hand isn't there, he might be out cold like you know he was out pretty hard i mean he was down for a minute yeah (laughs) i mean it was nasty Um, you don't think he was out cold no because he tried to block that follow-up punch he was still there he was probably just tired too i think he was on queer but it wasn't the same to me it wasn't the same as what uzman was uzman like he his eyes went out he wasn't there but either way i mean uh justin gaethje just kind of keeps getting keeps showing these things and now it's a it's a thing where it's like i can't even compare this version of it to the one who's fought you know, even a Oliveira or oh, no. or Habib or any of those. So it's it's a whole new thing for him. And that's kind of like, that was my reasoning for picking Justin going into this. You know, I told you guys on our Friday show, I'm like, I don't know how you don't watch that Faizee fight and not see the growth, especially when you go all the way back and watch that first mm-hmm. Dustin fight back in 2018. Like, I almost don't even recognize that Justin Gaethje compared to what we saw in the Faizee. And that is a little bit risky on my part to take a Justin who we've only seen that big leap in growth in one fight, right? Mm-hmm. And, but it was his most recent fight. And like one thing I said to John, because you were instantly like, man, I just don't feel like we've seen that though from Justin. And I'm like, well, John, this is why we go back and watch fights, right? And John does it. And I tell him all the He's time. He did it one time. But he did it. And I told John, I was like, he did it in the Faizee fight. And that was one thing that I keyed when I'm rewatching last week i honed in on that like oh wow that was that same technique mm-hmm. that he threw up and then he was in there talking to uh rogan he's like i've never thrown that and i told john i was like he's lying he definitely yeah, threw it in the five <laughs> fight and then he ended up saying like i did throw it once against five but and i was telling john i'm like and i know i reference this fight a lot and so and i will probably always forever but i hold that five brad riddell fight in such high regard in terms of like high level striking in mixed martial arts and in the lightweight division mm-hmm. um I mean, just two of probably the best strikers, right, in right. this division all around and just in terms of kickboxing. But then to see – so then to see Justin in that last fight go in and do what he did to Faizee, yeah, Nate Diaz, I'm not really surprised today that we're sitting here talking mm-hmm. about this, man, because he was doing it in the last fight. Well, are you, are you, okay, you can say that he had these uh, upgrades, but are you surprised that he was able to knock – Dustin Poirier out with a head kick like this in this no, fight? I mean, that's what I said. Well, I mean, I'm saying Dustin doesn't get this done head, to you. You just said that he hasn't been knocked out since yeah, 2016. Yeah, maybe the head kick, but, but my pick was a knockout. So I, I did predict a knockout, and I said it was going to have to be an early knockout yeah. for him to do it. So, yes, not surprised, John. I don't know. I don't think you were. Oh, you were surprised because you stood up and you were quiet for like 40 oh, seconds I mean, yeah, walking it's around. Cra- it's crazy. I mean, it's still <laughs> insane. I mean, it's still, I don't care who does it. I mean, it's just a, still an insane technique, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I predicted it, but I see these things, you yeah. know? That's why we watch fights, John. <laughs> I mean, we do watch fights, that's yeah. Why, that's why we don't come. I rewatch the fights. I was surprised. Like, I, I grant you, like, yes, there was there was the upgrades, like, as far as the fight scene, but I sure. still didn't think it was enough. I still thought Dustin is yeah. a guy who has seen, we've seen him upgrade since yeah. he last fought Gaethje as well, right? Like, not, But not as much. That's the thing. Yes, he's, I think, especially through the Connor fights, he became a better boxer, even better than he was. Um, 
But I just saw, like, in that fight, Z fight, like, again, I know it's risky off one fight, so I understand somebody's still taking Dustin. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I just feel like in terms of the growth, if you go back to that fight and you see where both guys well, are. I'm also looking at the Oliveira fights because they both have com- a lot of common opponents. Sure. And Dustin was able to do with Oliveira things yeah. that Justin couldn't. Yeah. And then vice versa with Habib. Yeah. Like, maybe, and maybe that's just a style thing. Maybe that just mm-hmm. comes down to Dustin's better with wrestlers. But that's another thing I'm factoring in. Well, one thing, and I brought this up to John, is, like, when, like, what, ju- like, so, because you, like, even for me, right, I am basing what I picked off of one fight, but that quick of a turnaround, because if you go two fights back for Gaethje, you probably aren't picking him in this fight, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, for people that picked Gaethje or, or believed in the growth, but I was telling John, at this level, you know, you just can't undersell how, like, massively awesome this was for Gaethje, because at this level, how quickly, or who else have we seen? I was telling John, which he came up with a good answer, but somebody this high in this division at this level make that quick of a turnaround this late in their career. And John said, well, Oliveira. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good shout, you know, but that tells you like how crazy it is, mm-hmm. the growth, that just just in that yeah. short amount of a time for Justin Gaethje. Yeah, yeah it's, um, I mean, this lightweight division, I mean, we talk about it all the time, yeah. but guys are just making these leaps or, or making these adjustments, and it's so hard at the top. Right. So this, obviously, like I said, massive win for Justin Gaethje, um, and we obviously know that Charles Oliveira will face Islam Akhachev for the lightweight title, uh, but Alexander Volkanovsky made it very clear that he wanted to go back up to lightweight to re-challenge for the title. Um, I mean, but surely Gaethje has done enough at this point to be the next challenger for whoever is holding that UFC title after UFC 294 um, or maybe do you guys think Volk still should be next I mean because I feel like I said Friday you know that was kind of the question on the live show that I asked mm-hmm. is is it important for one of these guys to not only go out and win but do it impressively or be dominant um, to make sure that they didn't get snubbed by Alexander Volkanovsky um, and yeah I don't know maybe Volk, Volk kind of taking a big L here tonight because I mean him, this may mean he has to take another fight at 145. Yeah, so I would say that you do. I think this does make Justin way more deserving of that shot than Volk. I think he's in the way class. He's he's fought for the titles before, but specifically because of the way he finished the fight against Dustin. Like I said that last, or well, I guess on the live show, he does have to finish really impressively in yeah. order to kind of get that. And he did. He did exactly that. So mm-hmm. you factor in the upgrades. You factor in that we don't know how much longer he's wanting to stick around anyway. You know, I think it's he's done enough, you know, taking out a guy in Dustin Poirier, who's the number two ranked or three ranked at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's Justin. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. It'll depend on what the UFC values more. Is it having a close fight with Islam or completely knocking out your number two guy in the division? Yeah. Um, and there is a little bit of... Um, the, the pound for pound thing kind of helps sell a little bit. And obviously we've seen uh, Justin in a title fight and not do well. Right. So, and especially if they try to do it in Abu Dhabi again, I don't yeah. know if he'd want any part of that, but also all the fighters who's ever fought for a BMF bell are Owen seven in title shots. So this doesn't really do a lot um, in, in terms of making it sellable in as far as how guys have done. But when you do a knockout like that, it does make it very hard. Yeah. And if, you know, if, if Volk does want to take another fight or there's some type of injury or something, it definitely still leaves Gaethje there regardless or Volk, depending on what happens. 
yeah, I just think that's, you know, it just is an interesting thought of, uh, was that enough? I think it is. Um, you also had Conor McGregor injecting himself into the story, as he usually does, uh, tweeting, I'm the real BMF, you want it, call for it. Um, so I think that makes a pretty interesting option for Gaethje too, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the lure of defending the BMF title against Conor McGregor in a big money fight has to be tempting, um, but surely given where Justin is in his career, um, you know he's a guy who's kind of talked about walking away sooner than later. Um, surely he has has to sit and wait um, and take the title shot, the sure title shot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially in a division where I feel like for the first time in a while there is a clear-cut number one contender after the scheduled title fight. You know, before right. we even have our title fight, we already know who's probably next. We don't get that in this division very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't see why, if you're Justin Gaethje, you'd risk that right now. Um, because even if he was to lose a title fight right against Islam or Charles, you're still the BMF champ, and that fight with Connor will still be there. Do you think he step tries to step in as the backup for the Charles Islam fight? Like tries Justin? to, like oh, tries I'm to sure make wait and be there at the minimum, especially if he's willing to sit out and wait. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure at a minimum they'll ask him. Right. To I, I don't know because that could be interesting because obviously Charles has had some issues. You never know what's going to happen with any guy. So mm. yeah. Makes it interesting for Justin. What do you think? I mean, because we do always hear, like, the Connor. Obviously, red panty night is still a thing. Um, yeah, but it's but tough with Connor, right, at this point because he's doing a lot of talking and not a lot of fighting. I also feel like Justin's a guy, if you kind of go back through his interviews, he's kind of expressed a disinterest in fighting Connor. Like, he kind of said, like, Connor doesn't want to fight me. He hasn't wanted to fight me. And he kind of he, re-expressed it last yeah, time. Yeah, and I, so I, I think, and I honestly think that I kind of believe Gaethje in that, I don't think that there's much in it. Yeah, there's the red painting night. Yeah, there's a payday. But he strikes me as a guy that he wants the belt. And I think mm-hmm. that he, he'd rather stay on the path for that rather than take a shot at Connor. Because who knows? You know, Connor can sit here and talk about fighting. When's, he, hasn't, he's in, he hasn't even re entered the pool, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we don't know how long that's going to take or any of yeah. that. So I, I doubt that's the path he goes. And the one thing that does make it interesting is we do, we have seen people like a Benny or some other guys who've had to do a little bit more than we think they should have had to do to get to mm-hmm. a title shot. So maybe. If the Connor, if he does feel like the Connor thing could help him put him over Volk, he might take that chance. Yeah, and I'm curious also in this whole thing to see uh, what's next for Dustin as well. You know, I think many assume that we could potentially see a retirement from either of these guys with a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, Dustin didn't sound like a man leaving sport at the press conference um he said he just doesn't want to be fighting young upcoming prospects which given where he's at and again in his age his career it's pretty understandable um but i do think there's still some fun big fights left for poirier that aren't young prospects you know to me i think um a fight that makes a ton of sense and i'd love to see is dustin versus benil dariush you know Mm -hmm. both guys coming off of losses both guys ranked right up there at the top they've never fought before i think that'd be a massive fun fight to see um I don't know, does that interest you guys at all, Dustin and Benny? Yeah, but it doesn't interest me in the sense of what does it do for the division. Like, it interests me as far as a fight, but then I'm... Well, it could get one of them right within one more win. I mean, if one of those guys went out and beat the other one, in theory, they're probably one went away from being back into a title specific yeah. picture. I, I just feel kind of I don't know. I feel I feel weird when I hear a guy say, "Well, I don't want to fight this group of people." Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I just only want to fight this group. Like and yeah. he's earned that to a degree because he's sure. been in the sport for a long time. Yeah. He's fought for belts. I get that. But I just maybe that's just me as a peer. So like I want to see the division moving. I want to see the best fight the best. I don't just want to see legends fighting legends. I like that, but I want to. I would like my options open if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that he's the. And as much as he says that, 
at least we did have Gaethje fighting Faizi, where he did fight one of those yeah, guys right. that was coming up. I think that if you, especially if you're trying to stay at the top and hover there, you, you have to beat Sarukin. You have to beat some of these guys. Instead of still going at a guy who's like an older guy in that area, there has to be some type of like rotation there. I think there's also, okay, so let me ask you this, because I think like in terms of like thinking of fun fights that are still there for a Dustin Poirier, where he doesn't have to reach back and fight these young you know, contenders or prospects, there's also the rematch with Max Holloway that I think would be fun. And, and Max has kind of said as much that, you know, it seems like Max after this fight, it, there's a good chance because he said before, like we talked about on Friday, he would be willing to come up and face the winner of the BMF uh, title. Mm -hmm. you say something? That, well, that to me is you're injecting you're injecting something into the division with Max. So right. that that to me I would be cool with because it's a big it's implications for the division. It's not just right. Well, and I then that's what I'm gonna ask. like. So let me ask you guys this: Is you know you're saying like you know you want you would want to see Dustin go and face like a young hungry you know prospect to get back to a title if Dustin. Dustin goes on a two-fight win streak, and he beats Benil Dariush and Max Holloway. Does he not deserve a title shot? I mean, yeah, I would say, but also, where's the division at at that point? Like, who's got the bell? Like, is it all there? I mean, I'm just saying, like, regard right, but regardless of, I mean, to me, if if he goes out and he beats Max Holloway and uh, whoever the other person was you just said, but then you have Sarukian on his streak or some of these other guys coming up on their streaks, is he more deserving of them just because it, he's that, been there? I mean, that's what I'm asking. I don't because, think so because I'm sitting here thinking like, well. I said Friday, this is probably the last chance for either of these guys to get back to a title shot for mm -hmm. Dustin and Justin. Um, but I'm sitting here today thinking like, well, I do see a path back for Dustin to a title shot because mm -hmm. in theory, I feel like if he goes out and beats Benil Dariush and then were to beat like Max Holloway, and I'm just throwing two guys out, right. if he were to do both of those back to back, I think that deserves a title shot. Yeah, I mean, on paper, it would, like, a little bit of what Brandon says, it depends on the order of that, too. Yeah. Because if, if Benny, if he fights, like, maybe Max next after his fight with Korean Zombie, and then by the time he gets to Benny, maybe Benny's lost another one, or there's somebody else there. I there is you have to do Benny Max. Right. So yeah. it, it, could, it could make things interesting, because if in between there, you know, um, somebody was to beat like a Charles or somebody else who might be above where Dustin could be hovering. Yeah. There is a little bit of room there for sure. that, but on paper you don't get very much better of a two fight getting into a title than that. Is yeah. this the weakest you feel like the lightweight divisions looked in a while? I'm just kind of going through that. I don't know. It just seems a little less. Well, I think the problem is the guys at the top are still holding that top spot. And, mm -hmm. and like, you know, we kind of talked about the parody and wanting to see more guys getting shots and, you know, sitting here talking about Faizib Gaethje. That was kind of our talk back then is, like, um, we are seeing guys get shots and they're just not well, capitalizing Fizee, on them. But then I'm like, okay, well, so who did Gamron? Was he the one that fought uh, Dariush? Yeah. Okay, so Sarukian, the last he needs probably Now, somebody. Dustin and Chandler could be interesting if the – if the Connor fight doesn't go through, because Chandler still need an opponent, mm. and that's something that you could probably pull whenever you wanted, just because those are those type of guys. For sure. Um, but yeah, no, it, it definitely is a, a situation to where Dustin does have enough, you know, staying power, and because he's not going to drop too low, just losing to the number three guy, he could very well use like a max or something to keep yeah. himself in that area. Yeah, I just and I guess I'm more like talking through it for myself because I was like completely ruling out like one of these guys loses last shot but what it's is, like what about the dan hooker rematch dan hooker's number 10 right now he's not necessarily a young 
Yeah, I mean that would fall in line. I think yeah. with what something Dustin would want. Mm-hmm. So even that, like, then if you go like, oh, Dan Hooker, Benny, Max, and it's like he goes, you know, he's beat wins two rematches and then beats a fresher guy in Benny that he's never fought. It's like that would be pretty impressive. Yeah, man. like I think that's a pretty decent run to get back to a title but i'm just saying i think when we talk about like when we say those words of like i think there's still fights for this person it's like you don't say that you know with guys in this position a whole lot but then to say like, i think there's still fights where actually what you're saying could still be true and you could still get back to right. a title you know yeah I, mean? I think he's probably one of the only people it's who's in that rare. position yeah it's very rare yeah mm-hmm. for sure you think there's more fights at 55 for him or 70 See that in that, and I made sure to specifically say that on Friday is in this division. I think it could be their last shot because, yeah, I mean, there's always been that talk with uh, Poirier, right? Mm-hmm. Like moving up, um, and you know, maybe in terms of like seeing, you know, getting finished here, maybe we are seeing a bit of a decline in the chin, and we've seen guys that go up in weight, and that helps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the chin, so. Maybe there could yeah. be something to that if Dustin has the appetite for that. I'm telling you, sitting here today, even coming off of that loss, you could sell me on Colby versus Dustin tomorrow. Like I still <laughs> want to see yeah. that fight. You know what I mean? So uh, the talk that's happened there. So because the hands are still there. I mean, like I said, oh, he yeah. he he just stung. got caught with a beautiful technique that the, knocked out our welterweight champ of what? How how many unbeaten was Kamara right. Usman? Right? Like yeah, anybody's going out with that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he stung Gaethje in that fight too, and he and. The leg kicks were still a thing, but, I mean, he was still getting... I mean, two judges had him winning that round anyway, so... Um, definitely Justin, think he has a lot to still offer. Justin Gaethje, man. Just stubborn as they come. Refuses to go away. And I think, like, at the end of the world, all that's going to, you know, the apocalypse could happen tomorrow. And I think all that would be left in 10 years is cockroaches and Justin Gaethje. Because that guy is stuck. He is going nowhere, Yeah. Uh, worst celebration to try to watch as a fight fan? Oh, the backflip off the yeah. cage. Every Those time I just look at his rough. feet and ankles and I'm like, oh. It his his, looked like his knee almost turned a little weird on that. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know who else's legs are probably hurting today boys Alex Pineda <laughs> defeats Jan Blachowicz via split decision uh, man very close fight um, and I'll be honest even though I did pick Alex for this fight I think this fight was even closer than I thought it would be yeah uh, believe it or not um, Jan came out one round one with the takedown and was attacking submission so and I, we're gonna get back to this because in the third round we're gonna talk about it is not just getting the takedown, but he was on Alexa's back, attacking submissions the whole time. Um, then round two, I did score for Pereira. I think he came on uh, really strong in that last half of the round and, and just came really close to finishing. I mean, Jan was really on the ropes. I, I think like a minute maybe even less than a minute there. He probably finishes Jan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave round two to Pereira. And round three, extremely close on the feet. Very mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, but I do agree with the commentary that the takedown probably really shouldn't have factored in on the scorecard that uh, Jan landed right at the end of the third round um, because he did nothing with it, right? There was no damage. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he really threw a punch down there. Um, he just kind of laid on him. Um, but regardless, even without the takedown, though, round three was close on the feet. I can't mm-hmm. stress that enough. Very close. Do you, So just real quick, do you count the takedown just as control? It's at least control. I, See, that's where I think we're getting in a gray area because that's kind of what we're seeing them trying to get away from, I think, is the control aspect of it. Because I I don't know, because I feel like we're getting a little crazy with the verbiage here. But then I think there's also like this whole like effective control, right, where you are uh, 
causing damage and you're doing things to actually try to finish the fight. Um, it seems like just as a sport, they're trying to move away from guys just taking other guys down and laying on them. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think they should. And I think that's what they're trying to do. So in line with that, which is kind of how we've seen the judging kind of transform, I mean, just even in the small time that we've done our podcast, right, um, it does seem like they're trying to reward more if you take them down and do effectively damage or grapple, hunting mm-hmm. submissions, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It just has to get to a consistency spot because we have seen guys kind of that be the separator in a close round. So, um, I can't even sit and say that like, it's tough because literally going to the scorecards, I can't sit and say like, I agree with this decision because I literally felt like it it was either guy's fight. I mm -hmm. mean, I don't know, but did you guys maybe feel convicted one way or the other? No, I thought it was very close. Yeah. I Um, was like, I was expecting, I'm not shocked by the split either. And I was surprised by, excuse me, Jan's ability to hang with Pinner on the feet. Like that, yeah. just, I mean, I don't know. In that third round especially, it just kind of seemed like Jan was landing some pretty big shots mm-hmm. of his own as well. And um, that really impressed me. But, no, I mean, I, I had it dead even. I had no clue who they were going to read. Well, John, because you were saying something very true too, is like when in between rounds two and three, you were like, you definitely tell Pineda he's down 2-0 right now, right? You know what I mean? And and then we kind of talked about it. It seemed like he came out in that third round thinking it was 1-1. Well, and he just needed to do, maybe do enough to win. Ten seconds after I said that, Glover's like, "You're it's 1-1. You had that yeah, round. Yeah. And it's like, man, I don't know if, how I would feel so yeah. great about it. But also, you know, with somebody who – you know, you might worry about cardio or has sure. these things where maybe he lulls a little bit. And I felt like in the third round, he fought like he thought he was up. Yeah. And he just needed to do enough. And he seemed the fresher man. Right. For and, what it's worth. And he was hurting Jan, but he just wasn't going for it. Yeah. And maybe it was, he felt a couple of those counters or those, mm. I mean, Jan was landing that left hand more, way more than I thought he would. Yeah. Um, he was able to get that right hand through a couple times. So, um, and then had a couple leg kicks of his own. He was busting up Alex's oh, leg a little both. bit as well. That's why I said legs hurting today for both men. Welts, I mean, beyond that welt on the outside of his Ooh. leg, unreal, dude. Mm. That was just nasty. And let me say, because Brandon, you said you were really impressed with Jan on the feet, and I agree with that 100%. I was really impressed with how Pedeta handled the grappling. Yeah. Well, um, you can tell that's something he's worked on. Um, he's had to work on it. And, and then to have to work on it in a very fast time frame as well, and while being in the UFC, facing the best talent in the world, um, I think that's really impressive. And every time he was taking down, he worked himself back up. Um, and obviously he did well defending those submissions from Jan where like I think everybody in the world watched and was like, oh, this is it. He didn't panic. He stayed calm. He worked through his technique. And altitude nonetheless mm-hmm. right battling that altitude um and to do that against a guy with four times the amount of mixed martial arts fight is just so impressive man when he he was going for that standing guillotine i think in the first round dude i, I was going nuts was i was nuts. like please let him finish that he like, had it everything just, it looked good I, everything just, yeah, yeah anyway i just don't think he got because you really got to go high elbow on that and he just mm-hmm. didn't get the elbow but up. the fact that he's not just playing defensive grappling right he was able to be a little bit offensive with it to get something out of it that to me shows again just a growth so yeah well and as soon as Jan went for that first takedown he uh kind of went for like the high c a little bit and you could or he was like kind of trying to lift and like he just alex just did not move and like you we were (laughs) laughing because it was like you could just almost see like instantly Jan was like well that was awkward we're switching (laughs) yeah this was not going to be as easy as i thought but dude i just can't believe how big alex potato is massive i just i told john i said i feel like we're going to talk about this guy being a three-weight champion. He might be the guy to do it. I mean, there's just no way he doesn't end his career at some point at heavyweight, I right. think. You know what I mean? But I'm just, like, completely blown away. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think he continues, like I said, at the highest level 
um, to get better, which is nuts. Um, and now the question is, uh, what the heck should the UFC do with the vacant light heavyweight title? Um, we know Yuri Prohashka will factor into one half of this vacant title shot at this point. Um, and Alex Pededa is now seemingly the number one contender behind him. I think, again, everybody can probably agree on that. Mm -hmm. Love it or hate it, he's fast-track Pededa. That's what we call him. Yeah. Um, but you have to believe Pededa is going to have to let those lakes heal a little bit. Um, so if Yuri is willing to wait on him, I think Alex Pededa, Yuri Prohashka, in October, November, has to be the move for the UFC. Um, and yeah, let me say, that fight just does it for me. Do, I, we, do we know that Yuri's ready? No, there's really no can I think the word was or they they've kind of always talked like it was going to be end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um so I would assume, you know, that November October, but like me and John were talking about like and I mean obviously naturally a lot of the media I think last night was asking Alex about Izzy on this Sydney card, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't think they would do a vacant light heavyweight title, you know, cuz again, Yuri has to be the next right, shot yeah. um and i don't know if you're a lex if you go right back down and face izzy in six weeks right <laughs> I mean, yeah I that just think... to me doesn't make a lot of sense did he seem interested in wanting to fight izzy uh i didn't really get I, i'll be honest i haven't got to watch much from what i read and this is just reading not much context behind it i get the vibe not really um but he also said i did see where he said um the rematch with Izzy will be at middleweight. Like he's like, it's only fair that I go back down. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Maybe if you are him, you do do it right now where you're a little bit, you know, in shape. I, I don't I, know. I think here's what I noticed in maybe I was off because I had the volume pretty low, but it seemed like that crowd loved Alex. Dude, like they were, so, all they were it. all about everything. Yeah. This was yeah. like really on fire. But crowd. I wonder if he's turning into a guy like just because of his fast track, almost like Hamza, that guys or the crowd's really starting to kind of love him. And yeah. I think mm -hmm. like his story, I don't think it just has to be Izzy. I think like you're even saying, you know, getting two belts, maybe even three. Yeah. Like if it were me, I would forego the rematch with Izzy just care. for. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, just for like a second or third belt. Yeah. And right. with how much minimal experience he has, that's insane. Imagine, oh. too, real quick, imagine, too, he could potentially become like a three-weight champion with less than 20 mixed martial arts. That's fight. what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. That'd be insane, dude. Insane. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, who has a more impressive three last three fights? Izzy, Izzy, and Jan, and you've won two of the three. Yeah. Yeah, you would cut your left hand off for those odds. Like yeah, if, you're, you know, if, you, if you told anybody in either of those divisions you could do that, yeah, you'd take and, it. And not only that, like how many fighters can say they have two wins over former champions within their first, yeah. you know, what is it, 11 fights, mm -hmm. something like that? Yeah. But I, it seems like um, the guy who, the judge who put it for Jan had him getting the 10th. The other two had uh, Pajeda getting the 10th. And then I've seen the media. It's pretty much all Pajeda except for like four people, which it was definitely a very close fight. I thought he got, he did eat a lot of punches. As you get up, that's always something sure. that's, you know, dangerous. But the leg kicks and just being able to get up, those are the things that you have to look at for him is how he deals with some of these guys up here. So, yeah, yeah it gets scary for these. I don't I don't see very many 205ers are going to be like, oh, dang, now I want that. And and with the grappling, like, it's tough too, right? Because I'm not, I don't necessarily look at Jan Blahovich as like a prolific grappler. But I do think in this light heavyweight division, who's much better than him? Magomed. Magomed on Kaliev, that's but we don't even see Magomed use his takedowns right. as much. Maybe like Anthony Smith, you know, all well, it was Glover. Back. Glover for sure. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like so even looking at the landscape of the light heavyweight division, like did Pereira just pass the toughest test for him in terms of like at this weight in terms of grappling? Well, Yuri was able to submit Glover, so there's there's some parody there. Yuri's just wild. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, you just don't know what that guy's <laughs> gonna do. That's kind of true. The only other thing I think that was 
interesting to me with this fight with Yan was, like I said, the, the ability for Yan to land in certain positions on the feet. And I feel like Jamal Hill mm. is going to be able to land in some ways and hit, mm. like, in, be more flush in ways that Yan couldn't. And I don't know if that was just some of Alex just kind of getting a little lackadaisical in certain points. or he's just, he or he's, I mean, he's been knocked out recently yeah. by Izzy, mm-hmm. so, and, and Izzy's good. I get that. But anyway, my point is, his head's... Out there to be hit. So I'm curious to see how that translates to some of these strikers, too. I agree. We talked about it. Defensively, there's times where you're just like, oh, God, get your hands up, please. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Dude, there's definitely some interesting um, matchups, too, outside of, like, the Yuri and – or, like, Jamal Hill and Yuri and even on Kalayev because, like, somebody like Nikita Krolov who has a lot of different parts to his game. Yeah, but, I mean, he's not going that far. He's going up. He's not going back. You know No, right. I'm just saying as far as potential at 205, depending on how long he stays there. somebody like Nikita's got to get up there. You know what I mean? Well, he's number five right now, so he could be a win away. Who did he lose to, Nikita? He lost kind of – was it Johnny Walker? Like, somebody – I can't remember. He beat Ryan Spann. He beat um, Ozdemir. He beat Gustafsson. He hasn't lost in a minute. He, he oh, lost. he lost to Paul Craig in 2022. Craig, yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig, yeah. But Craig's also the only person who's beat Uncle yeah. Ivan Jamal Hill. So there's a, <laughs> it's such a weird weird time sometimes in some of these divisions. I'm just saying, I, don't, I just don't think he's going to be very long for 205 to begin with. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like when you look at the potential, if he's only here for three more fights, two to three more fights, I just don't really know that he's going to face a grappler that's really going to – I mean, I guess, yeah, Yuri, who knows? I mean, he, you never, he, yeah, he yeah. might <laughs> submit him with his feet. I mean, <laughs> like, right. I don't even know. Uh, but, boys, somebody else that was nice with the feet last night. Are you ready for it? Derek Lewis. Yes, sir. Defeating Hajirio de Lima via first round TKO. And I would normally hit the finish him, but just because of what he did. I mean, yes, sir. I mean, boys, we do not deserve Derek Lewis. Starts this fight with a flying knee, a flying Switch. freaking knee. Lands flush. That's why he gets the headshot bang here. <laughs> flush to de Lima. And I mean, Delima was never going to recover from that knee. No. I mean, dude, I told John, I was like, even if it didn't land flush, just a 200 and probably 75, 70 pound Derek Lewis flying at your face, <laughs> like, is just enough to knock you over. <laughs> um, and then in typical Derek uh, Lewis fashion, the balls got hot, so you know the shorts had to come off. The, 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 the shorts went in the crowd, the cups went, the cup went <laughs> flying in the crowd, the gloves went <laughs> flying in the crowd. Um, and Derek Lewis now has the most knockouts in UFC history with 14 passing matt brown i mean what do you even say about this guy anymore man i mean <laughs> can't fade Derek lewis man this is like such, no. a, such a hot commodity man it you was love it fun to see him on the end of a win like because i don't think i don't remember the last time he won so it's kind of been a minute where he's seen him kind of get knocked out for yeah some so it was fun to be able to see him do that and kind of have fun with it and and be in a good spot, especially given where he's at in his career. Mm-hmm. And he did mention he is now a free agent. Um, pay that man, Dana. Pay that man. You have to pay that man, Dana. <laughs> uh, so first, you know, and I think first off, we have to say, like, good for him to bet on himself in a fight like this at altitude, nonetheless. A lot of risk coming into this six-pack six pack Lewis. Yeah. Um, and now coming off that win, you know, he holds all the power, in my opinion. He said he does want to re-sign with the UFC, but, man, um, a $2 million check is on the line to fight Francis Ngannou and I have to believe the PFL is going to be calling the Black Beast this week to inquire about his services um, and a do-over in that fight I mean kind of just I mean there's an interesting story there right, right. It almost writes itself in a sense one of the worst heavyweight fights of all time in the UFC mm-hmm. um, so for them to maybe go out redo it in the PFL 
Um, and at his age, this may be his best bet, guys. I mean, we're talking, it's crazy to think somebody, you know, I mean, not crazy. Francis has proven that to walk away from the UFC at this age. Um, but even if he thinks he can get back to a title, right? Because I think that's the only way you really stick around in the UFC. Um, do you really want to go through Tom Aspinall, Jelton Almeida, Sergey Pavlovich, etc., to even mm-hmm. try to get that? I mean, that seems like a long road for Derek Lewis. Um, and here you have, I, like I said, I know the PFL is going to be calling him this week and like $2 million. And how many more fights does he really have left? I mean, he's what, almost 40? Mm-hmm. Is he 40? I mean, I don't know. Uh, well, what becomes interesting is he did the best move you could do. Oh, I'm a free agent. I want to be back with the UFC, but if not, it is what it is. Yeah, he did. Knowing that he has that as another option. He's 38. So he's postured the best leverage for himself, I feel like. And the way you stay in the UFC is say, hey, He's gonna give me two million. What are you gonna give yeah, me? That's it. They're gonna. Dude, if, let me hit it again. <laughs> pay the man, Dana. Pay that man. If you're gonna, if you're gonna keep him, you're gonna have to. You gotta split that bag up. So if they say, <laughs> hey, four million for you to do three more fights or something, yeah, he stays there. Sure. Get your money because I mean, yeah. he, as much as he, the title fight thing is cool. You know, there's other parts of it. Yeah. I mean, he got he got into it late. So this is a game of you know get the best you can, and he's right. And he's done the best of that. Mm. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know, man. I think I think it, PFL sounds like if, if that's a route that they're going to go, that probably makes the most sense. But something you said just kind of stood out where you said, like, if you're not stick, if you're not chasing a title, does it make sense for anyone to stick around? And, yeah. But there's tons of guys who do that, though. So then I'm like, well. Because there's no other option. I still think UFC is even still the bigger option for those guys in terms of financially, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you look at a guy like um, Matt Brown, for example, just because he just beat his record, it's probably financially smart. I bet, I bet the UFC is still offering a guy like Matt Brown more money than what a Bellator or PFL think, would be. You don't think Lewis is getting paid pretty good right now in the UFC? Oh, I bet he's getting paid pretty good, but I also think a one-off fight for $2 million sounds really nice, too. I guess, but then I don't like, think he's making $2 million a fight. I'll say right. that. Well, it also depends on what PFL could offer him for the fight after. <laughs> if I he bet he's making more. six figures. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, and he may be in the seven. He might be making around a million a fight, but I mean, but you're talking a million dollars. Another million is a lot. Yeah. And plus, Outside of the UFC, he could have other sponsors. He could do a lot more for right. himself to really build a brand. And for a guy like Derek Lewis, I don't think it'd be hard for him to find sponsorships, mm-hmm. right? And then things and people, companies willing to push him and promote him and things like that. So you have to factor in that aspect as well is there's a lot of money for whoever gets that Francis. And that's going to be a huge fight, yeah. you know, to some extent, especially coming off the Tyson Fury fight for Francis. His stock's going to be way up. Even if he goes out, I think, and gets starched. I mean, it, it'll be a big fight for whoever gets that. But when you look at it the only other names that are kind of even being kicked around are Fabrizio Verdun right and so if you have a chance to get a Derek Lewis coming off of that knockout you can play that replay a million times mm-hmm. to promote it and all this other stuff yeah if you're the PFL chushing, you know what I well, mean well I don't know how much money they have left to give him uh, I think there's a lot well if they're about to try to buy Bellator they're that's why I think lot. there's a lot oh. I mean if this Middle Eastern rumor yeah of that's true the investor it sounds like they are willing to splash the cash yeah, I mean this is the best opportunity they're going to have to get a name and that the can really there. sell the two million dollars is there yeah. apparently so yeah, it's so, been negotiated well that's what I'm saying that'll depend on on Dana yeah, and yeah, what he's yeah, willing you gotta to pay do. that man, Dana. You gotta <laughs> split that bag up and pay that man. But yeah, couldn't be happier for my boy. Yeah, absolutely, boys. And our next result, Bobby Green defeats Tony Ferguson via head and arm choke in round three. 
What a performance by King Green. I mean, he was in control of this fight for large portions of it. You know, mm -hmm. not just on the feet, but on the ground as well. I mean, Tony definitely went out on his shield here. Can't ask for more in that regard. He had a few flashes and moments, um, but it's King Green in the end who got it done. Your guys' thoughts? Um, not too surprised with the fight itself, honestly. Like I said, I mean, this has kind of been what we've seen from Tony. I was surprised with the submission. Obviously, I didn't see that coming, but I mean... To me, it was, the big story here is just Tony's old, man. I mean, it doesn't seem... And he just, looks it. it. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't seem to me... He knows what he wants to do. He knows what he wants to try and accomplish, but the body's just not responding the way yeah. it used to. And we can debate why that is, but it's clearly the, the case right now for mm -hmm. him. And, I mean, it sucks to see, but... Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not one to push guys to. It's done, tough. It's it's, it's rough. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's tough too because in that first round he lands a big shot, mm -hmm. hurts Bobby Green really bad. The yeah. eye poke happened shortly after. Yeah, he had moments, and really then it, then he fades. Yeah, you know he had that momentum built up. He had to like walk around and keep shaking his head off like a dog or something, trying to get you know try to see if he can see. Then he gets out there and that that momentum fades off. Gonna I was just going to say, Tony, to me, used to be a guy where if you got him on his back, he was scary. Mm -hmm. And I would, like, six, seven years ago, if this fight would have happened, I, and Bobby Green got him on his back. I told John this. Yeah, I, I would not, I, I would have been pretty uh, nervous for Bobby Green to be in that position. Yeah. But watching that last night, it was like, man, like, Tony's not really, the elbows aren't there, mm -hmm. the, the legs aren't doing what they used to do as far as, like, rubber guard or yep. triangles and things. And Yeah, I definitely thought he was going to do rubber guard a couple of times when he was pulling mm -hmm. him in and pop. Breaking he that was posture. just kind of there to be hit, and Bobby Green is not the most accomplished grappler of, of that he's faced, yeah. you know. So anyway, no, I I told I literally said that same thing to John. I'm like, man, like the tough thing is, a couple years ago he wins this fight here, you know, like with a triangle mm -hmm. or an arm bar or the elbows, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, he wasn't even putting his feet on the hips, trying mm -hmm. to separate. I mean, he was just kind of throwing some back fit. He didn't land a couple nice fists from the backer couple elbows but yeah. that just kind of tells you like what you said just like whether it's the knees or something just something's yeah, like, not there I, physically anymore when he was talked about him fighting habib i remember as a massive habib fan terrified yeah. that he was gonna cut yeah. habib in that fight from his back and yeah. like just win via stoppage and watching that it's like man that's not the same tony you know i know and that's what hurts mm -hmm. and this is all great for bobby green you know you don't want to take away from what him and what right. he did it was a good performance by bobby green mm -hmm. but the biggest question here is what's next for tony ferguson you know obviously that's five fight you know or well a six fight losing streak which you know his whole five fights in a title was what he said was next uh that's what he was saying in the all week uh, five, fights, five in fights in a title um which implies he wants to go nowhere to me but given the fact that that's six in a row four of those by finish and now back-to-back -back submission losses um and dare i say the last two definitely not his finest work you know no, nothing against Bobby Green or Nate Diaz, but they're not Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira. We can't make that excuse anymore. Right. Like, well, they're top of the tiers, you know what I mean? Um, and I think we can all agree that there's definitely been a decline in the skill set of Tony Ferguson, um, which is unfortunate, and it does suck to see. But, man, in this case... I just think maybe this is one where the UFC needs to kind of try to save Tony from himself. I don't know what you guys think. Um, but and to be fair, a guy like Tony, I don't know if that's even going to stop him still because he very much still seems like a guy who doesn't plan on stopping. Um, but it does hurt to see our legends go out, and especially a guy like Tony, right, who was such a – and still is a fan favorite. Mm -hmm. um, it does hurt to see that a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know how you stop this guy from himself to, be, to in an extent, you know. I think that's kind of been almost his downfall. Like, he's a guy who – like his coaching has never been like the most consistent yeah. that people he's had around him and maybe that's just kind of his personality and he the way he is yeah and so yeah i do i do think it is the ufc would 
be doing some due diligence to try to make sure he's. But it's like even if they do, right? He's just gonna go PFL. I mean, he's just gonna Sanchez. go somewhere else. It's so not on them. It's not on them at that point. Yeah, you but can kind of wash your hands of yeah. it, but. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, before the six fight losing streak, he was twenty six and three. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, twelve, 12 fight yeah. win streak, yeah. uh, interim champ, and then you run into that. And I do think it when I think of somebody who had like a similar, obviously didn't have as much success, but just like a looked really bad at the end and then kind of did a little bit more is like a Bigfoot Silva or Diego yeah. Sanchez or sometimes you can't, like you said, you can't get people out their own way, but you can take it off of prime time to where yeah. people don't have to keep seeing. Well. You know, somebody they really like. And it's tough, too, because we've seen his quality of opponents go down, you know, obviously from Chandler to Diaz, uh, Nate Diaz and then now to Bobby Green. And, you know, not only is the quality of opponents maybe going down, but then the performances are going down with it. And that's not a good sign because, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about a guy like Dustin or Derek Lewis or whatever, and it's like, yeah, there's still fights for this person or a Matt Brown or Robbie Lawler who we just saw in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, but these guys are still competitive with the people that they should be competitive with, if that makes sense. Right. Like for Tony, and, and this is no offense to Bobby Green because I think he's about a mid-tier fighter, but how much lower do you go? Because you go yeah. much lower, now you're getting into like 26-year-old killers or 24-year-old killers that ain't playing around, man. They're coming yeah, to get yeah. titles, you know? So it's like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you give him Patty Pimblett. I, <laughs> like when Patty comes back, you know, he's taking that fight, right? Yeah. Uh, and it'd be a big name for Patty. You do it in London. I don't know. I mean, yeah. he'd, he'd call Patty some funny names. It'd be funny in the buildup, you know, mm-hmm. Patty Pimples or something. I don't know. What he, I, who knows what Tony would say. I don't know but. if he can get the blade into London, but the shades would be there. Yeah. I just, I love Tony, man. It just, it yeah. just sucks to see this uh, to some extent. It does. It really does. Kind of so. like BJ too, where it's just like, you've seen these guys just like, wreck people before yeah. and be on the top of the world and then now you just have to see i mean you even see like the grades on the the grays on the side yeah. and he wants to do his foot movement and he, he does like two steps and it's like oh, i can't even really do that anymore and it's it is de- definitely very tough to watch absolutely and the last one boys kevin holland defeats michael chiesa via first round Darius choke um and man Kevin Holland is on fire in a welterweight division that is loading up with talent right now. Um, And this fight, to me, just never looked close. Holland dominated the striking like we all predicted. Um, But what we didn't predict was that he would be able to defend those takedowns. Um, I mean, that was super impressive against a guy like Kiesa, who, regardless of where he is in his career, always going to be a hard, tough wrestler, tough outing. Um, Kevin Holland, you can see he is improving. He seems motivated. And I think he's going to be a top... 15 welterweight this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but your guys' thoughts on the loudmouth Kevin Holland. I kind of had a feeling that Darson's going to sneak in there, man. Two is back-to-back Darson's yeah, for Kiesa yeah. like I First just, round. Yeah, and I uh, I think it was Means who Holland submitted last, right? Wasn't that Darson? Yeah. show? Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, tough for Kiesa. It just he seemed like he was just kind of diving in for some takedowns. Yeah. didn't seem like he was setting anything up with his hands at all, which is something he struggled with. Surprised that he didn't make any, any adjustments there. But mm. good on Holland, man. Like, he kind of talked about the patience and, and incorporating the new wrestling coach and so you know you can really tell he's being patient and utilizing what he's learned and he's even throwing in some more jujitsu which is good to see yeah and you know it's tough with the layoff you know kiss has been on the desk like it's not just been like i've been in camp for x amount of years getting ready and like you said, Kevin Holland has just been active and just getting better yeah. and better and better. And the the skill set he does have is just getting um, amplified by adding wrestling defense yeah. or even just confidence in his stand up. Um, because he does have good jujitsu, and that's what we yeah. talked about. You know, he is a black belt, Travis Luter black belt, so he does have the jujitsu. It's just like, yeah, when you get, you just got to try to defend those takedowns a little bit. But I think he did a good job. Yeah, and I mean. 
um, Kiesa isn't necessarily the highest level of wrestling he's going to see as he keeps moving up, but that is a very good marker for yeah. Okay. <clears throat> you're you know, now you're showing that, you know, if we put you against a, a Sean Brady, you know, maybe you do a lot better than some people would think in a, in a situation. And you never know with Kevin Holland, but he did kind of imply there that he wants to go back up to middleweight. And I hate everything about <laughs> Holland wanting to go back up to 185 mm -hmm. pounds. The dude weighed in at 169. Like, dude, you're clearly, this cut can't be that bad. You know, you're coming in under, right? You know, he could have weighed in at two pounds heavier if he wanted right. to, um, which I'm sure when you're cutting, if you told somebody, dude, you could save two pounds, they would do it, right? You right. Know, like most people wouldn't cut the extra weight. So I don't even know how much he's really cutting. Um, this is his best division. I mean, mm -hmm. I think every time he's at welterweight, he always looks way better at the um, at this weight. Um, his size and strength to me translates better at 170 pounds. Um, and it's going to be harder for guys, I think, to take him down, even as he moves up and maybe faces better grapplers. Um, he is a problem for anybody in this weight class on the feet. And I mean, from top all the way up to Leon. Mm -hmm. I think Kevin, I mean, because he's just so big, so long. And like I said, I think the power from the, the length and stuff and just how rangy he is, it just seems to really translate more up here as to where, like, yeah, dude, why don't you go face Hamzat again? Like, well, isn't why? he the guy? Hasn't he said pretty pretty often that he isn't really chasing titles? He just wants fights. And But I feel like that's changing a little bit. I don't know. I just mm -hmm. felt like in his like the fact that he has hired a wrestling coach, like, I feel like if you really don't care, yes. You, so to answer your question, yeah, he always has kind of been that guy. But the fact that he's working on this stuff means – he might have a little bit more interest in... I guess, does, is the cut worth it to him? And we don't yeah. know how bad it is, right? Like, yeah, he went in at 169, but maybe he doesn't cut well or he doesn't have guys helping him out, and so sure. he overshot what he was trying maybe. to get, you know? And I wonder if the the better wrestling confidence makes him feel like, well, now that I can defend takedowns a little bit better, let me go back up to where yep. that was my problem. But I do agree with you. I think he matches up way better. And when you talk about a Hamza or a Bo Nickel or some of these other guys that are yeah. going to be at 85... Why, yeah, why go up and compete with those are the highest level. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, when you Marvin get to Vittori, like yeah. why, why go up? Yeah. Why? There's no reason. Um, I don't have a lot of interest in that, but I'm also always interested to watch Kevin Holland fight because oh, yeah. he's great and hilarious. So but I just think like, I, yeah, I agree with that, but I see a guy who is a legit contender at welterweight. If he will just stick here, like, mm -hmm. oh, I just like want to like pull my hair out when he talks <laughs> about 80. I'm like, dude, please. Said he no. wants to eat steak and have sex to make weight. I mean, yeah. fine. I, I respect Sounds great, it. but also, but also dude, like you could legitimately be a title <laughs> contender in this weight class. I feel that I really yeah, do. Cause outside of the Hamza fight, he's looked very, very well. And even yeah. in that one, he showed a little bit more than people thought he was going to show he literally like Grambies. broke his own neck with the uh yeah oh, the, and the Grambies. yeah um that's all for the main card boys we're already almost an hour in going long post uh pay-per-view it's mm -hmm. pretty typical for these um i do want to mention real quick michelle Pedeta, wonder boy thompson was scrapped from this card Pedeta missing weight by three pounds um and it sounds like wonder boy decided to not take the fight um we talked kind of extensively about this on the live show friday so i don't want to get back into it but it has been reported since that live show that wonder boy was not paid his show money um and not that the ufc is necessarily obligated to do so but we have seen them do that from time to time mm -hmm. um usually when things are more out of the hands of the fighter um to me um but so the fact though that we uh that were that they weren't feeling as charitable i'll say tells me that they probably weren't too happy about wonder boy not taking the fight mm -hmm. um for the three pound but again you know we talked about on the live show is it's kind of hard to blame a guy like wonder boy who still does have title aspirations whether we see them as valid or not that's not for us right. to determine um at 40 years old you know not wanting to, to take the risk when with the darren till the history there that he yeah. did it and it didn't pay off well so. and there's also the side of 
you know, if you're the UFC, all right, you already told us you won't fight any of these guys who grapple. Sure. You're, you know, you're wanting to still get a title, so we have to give you somebody ranked, and then we give it, and then, you know, obviously things transpire the way they do, which he has his right, and they have theirs as on their side of trying to, you know, book fights. So. Yeah, and I wish we had more time, and I don't even have it in my notes because I knew we were going to go a little longer, but uh, Gabriel Bonfim beating Trevin Giles by submission. Dude, Gabriel Bonfim, like I said, you talk about 170. I mean, you still got Michael Morales, you know, all these young guys at 170. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel Bonfim is right there, dude. Maybe that's why Holland's trying to... Scary, dude. <laughs> Get scary, out. scary. And then, obviously, uh, Roman Kopilov defeating Claudio Hibero. Uh, what a head kick. I mean, man, mm-hmm. this card was just on hey, fire. My three to C went, but... Yeah. I hit on it. It pays to listen to the kickback, man. That's yep. what we try to tell these people. Um... <laughs> I didn't expect us to go this long, but I'm I'm not gonna di- I'm not gonna diverge from. It. We're gonna go there. I do want to ask you guys your biggest. We'll start. I want winner loser from UFC 291. Let's start with the biggest loser from UFC 291. Brandon, who are you thinking? I think the obvious answer to me would be either Tony Ferguson or Dustin Poirier. Okay. I think it puts Dustin in a really weird spot to lose to Gaethje. You have a recent title. I mean, it makes some sense for him to move up. I mean, you may have convinced me a little bit when you talk about him fighting like a Max or or somebody coming in, but it's kind of one of those things like you just lost to Gaethje. Like you said, it was one of those, I wonder if you just kind of lost your last shot to get back to a title. And then Tony, again, that's an obvious one. I mean, you, how do you recover from six in a row like that and getting submitted by Bobby Green? That's not, not a good look. Yeah, what do you think? Um, the the two people that come to mind to me is, and you bringing him up made me think of it more, is Volkanovski. Yeah. Because of what happened, you know, Gaethje putting on such a great performance. But another one for me kind of is Jan because this is two fights in a row where, mm-hmm. you know, he could have arguably won to some people, and now he's in a spot to where that's two in a row. Yeah. You have other guys who are doing good, so this could be very rough for him. Yeah, I agree. I think mine would be Volk as well. Um, Just, I, yeah, I don't know, because I just, I guess maybe I've sold myself on Dustin still having that path back to the title with a couple couple big wins mm-hmm. um um and the way he kind of handled the loss you know it wasn't too detrimental um Jan is up there I will give you that one because I, I don't know if I see a path back to him or for him mm-hmm. anytime soon I mean he's he is 40 so it's gonna be really tough for him to uh to kind of get back and yeah I mean I just see a lot of other people I mean I don't I know I wouldn't say Wonder Boy because that wasn't his fault I wouldn't say Michelle Pereira. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Volk as my mm-hmm. biggest loser just because I feel like if he wanted that super fight next, it's probably gone now uh, to some extent. Uh, biggest winner, Brandon. Justin Gagey. I mean, he comes away with the BMF title. He avenges the loss of Dustin Poirier, who is highly ranked in the division, had a couple yeah. of streaks on his own. So 100% Justin Gagey. Who you got? Derek Lewis, baby. He just <laughs> made a blank check. <laughs> I know. He's either going to get the most money the UFC's even has available under John Jones, or PFL is going to give him million. So mine was Derek Lewis. I, I mean, really, the top three: Gaethje, Pineda, Derek yeah. Lewis. It's hard to it's hard to pick against any of those guys right now. Um, yeah, it's just. I mean, in terms of financials, probably definitely Derek <laughs> Lewis, right? Like you said, he just kind of gave because he don't even have to win his next fight. It's going to be and for the, more than he's ever made. And the risk, man. Again, yeah. If I take that fight at altitude. Oh, then by the way, it got elevated to the main card. You know, which I mean, say it. I, there's got to be something there that makes it a little bit more nervy. Um, it's right? a guy who's won like five in a row. Oh, that entrance song, baby. Let's. Yeah. Oh, 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 I love that entrance song, man. Um, I'm going with John. I'll t- I'll take Derek Lewis on that one. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good with Derek. Uh, Brandon, update us on our scores. All right, um, that last fight really saved you there, Nate, because you were you were getting ready to kind of get lose some points. Anyway, no, I wasn't. 
Well, I mean, you weren't losing, but you were going to get, we were further catching up to you is what I'm saying. But that kept you ahead, the Gaethje win. Well, okay, go ahead. Go so, ahead with the scores. You have 64. Okay. I have 52. John, you have 50. So who scored the most points? Mm, let me go back and look. Uh, you. Yes. So that's why I was confused. So let me say this. I called. But you, without it, you would just tie with me. Sure, but let me say, because you guys are always like, I picked every fight right for this card, just so you guys know. Because you guys are always like, you've never done that. So the majority of the time, you pick what I pick, though, if we're being real. No, I've, been, I've been going back I'm the back only one that picked Justin Gage. Yeah, that's one fight on the card. All right, I'm just saying. I'm just like I, I, I started going my, back through, and you pick a lot of the same okay, fights as me. I write my same winners down, though. I write my winners down before we even do the episode, so I'm not copying you. I'm just saying, but I'm just you saying, can say that. But I'm just telling. I you, haven't been able to validate that. Other than Lewis and Hajario de Lima, who we did not pick for because mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't on the main card, the other four I went four for four on. For so, the for the record, who would you have picked in the Lewis? And I I did pick Marcos Sergio de Lima. I had him on my parlay, so technically I did get that one wrong. But in terms of our game, I'm just letting you guys know there's a reason I'm in first place. Four four for four on the picks. It pays to listen to the kickback yeah. mainly for mm-hmm. me because I'm the one. one I watch. mean my my three to see hit baby. I will give John that. It is tough to hit all three card. of them. Not going the distance, baby. That was a good job by John. He John's. Take your flex where you want because you have literally become a meme on this show. So getting John is not what you want. But saying, saying somebody picked every fight right on this and kind of nailed the breakdowns, if I'm being honest. Like what I said was going to happen, if you go through, kind of happen. But, you know, when you watch and you study mm-hmm. and you do the right things, mm-hmm. that's what happens. Pay to play. Listen to me, not these guys. I don't know about that. Come talk to me mom? when you're dad. Huh? Come talk to me when you're dad. I Silly. will give you that. Dadding is <laughs> probably makes that a little tougher. This is my this is my child. <laughs> <laughs> UFC Nashville, John. I hate to tell you, man, but you're gonna have to shorten these breakdowns. All right. Um, I don't know what you got prepped, but at least just try to move through them quickly. Okay. If you, if you don't want to shorten them, we just we got to get going. Yeah. No. If not, uh, this is gonna be an hour and forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> UFC Nashville bantamweight division got a huge fight. Number four Corey Sanhagen against number seven Rob Font. Uh, it was supposed to be Umar Namagomedov. Umar was forced out by injury, leaving Corey with an out of dance partner. Rob Font steps in. He was supposed to fight the following week against Song Yudong. Yeah. Steps in for this. Um, although Still not a crazy fan of them just like canceling fights to yeah. move people and taking up that fight away from Song. I, I don't know how. I mean, it's tough because like I, we've talked about, I understand this new age that we're in with the UFC where like there is so many fights that they don't have many contenders and stuff. And I would rather see San Hagen face a Rob Font than some no-name guy, right? Right. Um, but man, it just does suck at the same time. I don't know. Well, and although some people might think Rob doesn't have as much intrigue as Umar to some fans yeah i definitely will caution anybody who thinks this isn't going to be a great fight oh, to agree. tune in i agree um coming off a huge win over cheeto for Corey, uh putting him close to a title shot which made people scratch their heads at him even wanting to fight umar yeah. but that's just the type of guy he is uh, if he feels like he's going to fight you one day it's going to be today if i he wish sees i still you. had that video i don't remember if i still had it what do you say uh but on the other on side, he was going to fight him. I, I basically kind of like I felt like he's going to see him someday, and I can't remember all of it. It was but, the last little thing that he said. It yeah. was hilarious. But on Rob Font's side, um, he obviously he was supposed to fight Song Yudong. Had a great performance against Adrian Yanez after losing to mm-hmm. Cheeto. Uh, but with the win, Corey could very well take his. Or, uh, Rob could take Corey's spot as a contender. Sure. So I think that uh, these guys are going to leave it all in the cage, and Nashville's going to get a good one. Yeah. When you look at if Rob Font were to go back to back and be Adrian Yanez and Corey Sanhagen too, because like part of me think sometimes like 
Man, did Rob Font just – because you look at who he lost to before that in uh, Aldo and who was his back-to-backs. It was Aldo and before the Giannis fight. Uh, Cheeto. Cheeto. It's like, okay, well, that's more like, you know, the guys that are good now, right? You know, so it's like, did he just kind of catch Giannis at a good time early? But I still picked Giannis for that fight even mm-hmm. still. So, yeah, when you look at this fight for Rob Font, if he goes back-to-back, though, and beats Giannis and – and Sanhagen, meeting Sanhagen alone, would yeah, be really impressive. yeah, no, a hundred percent. But just to have those two back to back, this is a massive fight for Rob Font, and it's a big risk for Corey, and a huge risk for Corey. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. I just said my only thing is. If this was the fight they had made originally, I'd be like, let's go. But when right. you knew you had the Sanhagen mm-hmm. and somebody that was finally willing to face and excited to face Umar, and then it's just like, ah, oh, to lose that more hurts than mm-hmm. anything. But, yeah, so, Brandon, who are you taking? That's me. I'm or, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who's down there. Sorry. <laughs> I'm up here at the top. I don't look back too um, much. I'm going to take Corey Sanhagen in this. I do think Rob Font um, had a really good showing his last fight, but I don't. I think there's a vast difference between Adrian Giannis and Corey Sanhagen as far as what he's done to – to the people he's done it to. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Rob Font, if he can get that boxing going early, can be very helpful. But I think that the Cheeto fights against both guys really show me something there. So I'm going to take Corey Sanhagen here. I will say by a uh, second round TKO. I like Corey Sanhagen here as well. I think he's a better fighter pretty much everywhere. I think we're probably going to see a return to the grappling as well, kind of like he was using against Cheeto. I think because Font's a pretty good boxer himself. Um, but Font's really hard to finish, so I'm going to take Sanhagen by a unanimous decision. Yeah, do we know, was Rob Font Song Yudong a main event? So, like, was he training for five rounds? Um, It was August 12th. Hold on. I'll, I just I'll. was curious. I should have looked that up, too. If you can't find it, it's no biggie. I, I didn't even think about that, but that does make that interesting as well, right? Because well, right now the main event for that is Luke and RDA. Oh, that's always been the main event. Yeah, so they would have been the co-main. Yeah, so obviously worth mentioning there that Rob Font not been training for a five-round fight, although I don't know that a guy for Rob Font that that's really significant. I think mm-hmm. he's probably always ready to go five rounds. Um, But, yeah, for me, obviously, I, I'm with you guys. I just think there's a lot to love about seeing Hagen in this fight. You know, two Two fights ago, he had the great performance against Song Hidong, as mentioned, um, and I felt that was one of those one the, one of those outings where we just saw Sanhagen really elevate as a fighter, and then he just elevated and grew even more on that momentum in the Cheeto fight last time out. Um, so he's definitely on an upward trajectory to me, right? And the wrestling for Sanhagen is the X factor in mm-hmm. this, I think. Um, and and Rafan's a good grappler as well. I'm not saying that, but we've seen a clear progression there in his last two fights, um, and I think even more so in the Cheeto fight, we saw an improvement in Sanhagen's ability to control once Mm -hmm. the fight gets to the ground not just get it down but then control a little bit and he was preparing for a grappler in Umar so I'm sure he's continued to grow on that and make improvements coming into this fight Um, now I would like to see him being a little bit more efficient in those takedowns he is just 4 for 26 in his last 2 fights in Mm -hmm. the takedown departments is uh, Corey Sanhagen and 3 of them were in the Cheeto just 1 in the uh, Song Yidong Um, but again you're comparing 7 minutes of control time in his last fight to 3 in the Song Yidong so we are a threat yeah so there is growth there a little bit absolutely um now, on the feet, I do think Corey is better in terms of just being an all-around striker, but he does leave openings, and he does get hit a lot. We saw him clipped in both of his last two fights pretty significantly, and Rob Font ain't the one, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to get caught against him and make those mistakes. Um, but again, I just like where Corey is right now in his career, um, and I go as far as say I feel he's a little better almost everywhere in this fight, um, plus the fact that he was training for one of the toughest fights he's had in a while. I think he'll be ready to go. What did you got? You said I said second round TKO. Brandon decision. Yeah, I like decision too for Corey. Of course um, you so do. I'll say. Do you want me to turn around my screen and say I said Corey slash? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I will say. Let's go. 
Uh, let's go Corey fourth round TKO. I wouldn't mind a submission, but I just like his Rob weapons, tough to the spin. knees, the elbows. He yeah. just brings so much that you know, especially somebody like Rob Font who isn't going to bring as eclectic of a bag. Yeah, um, there's a chance that he could. And if you're preparing for a wrestler, that knee's probably going to be used a lot as far yeah. as what he's been working on. So it'll be I, interesting. I agree, John. Who's in our co-main event? All right, in the co-main event, women's strawweight division, two women looking to make a, a claim to be a next title contender. Number five, Jessica Andre. Andrade versus number 10, Tatiana Suarez. Jessica seemed putting her, she always seems to be in a title mix. Had a rough uh, run of late after winning three in a row, putting herself in a position to challenge to a title at multiple weight classes until she runs into Aaron Blanchfield. And then recently, Yan Shanan, where she was finished by both. Uh, she's looking to rebound after the loss. Didn't take the easiest path, though, because now she'll be facing the highly touted prospect, Tatiana Suarez, who's coming off a submission victory over Montana De La Rosa in February. Her first fight back after a four-year layoff. But Suarez is 10-0, and arguably the best wrestler in the division, if not out of all the women on the yeah. roster. And this is an opportunity for both women uh, to, make a, to prove that they're uh, to be mentioned in potential title contenders. Right back to you. Who you got? I'm actually going to go with Suarez here. I think that <laughs> you say that like everybody's probably not. Well, I mean, if, if but I mean, if I'm you, actually going to go but, with the well, Here's the thing: if you didn't see Tatiana Suarez four years ago, and you only seen her in that submission, but you've seen Andrade beat some of the top women, you might not. I mean, people like Brandon don't pay attention to women fighting very often. So <laughs> we throw me under there this for you're the one who's picking favorites, man. I love it. And acting like it's a shocker. Go ahead, though, John. I mean, how many people have heard of Tatiana Suarez, though, if you haven't been watching in the past five, six years? So I'm taking Tatiana Suarez here. I think she is going to – she looked really well in that last fight, and I think she's just primed to really use that wrestling in, in a division that there's not a lot of that – um, that people have to even prepare for, let alone her her level of it. And for Jessica Andrade, I mean, she needs a win in a big way because this will be three in a row, but I think that uh, Tatiana Suarez can get this done, I'm going to say by decision, because without knocking out, Jessica Andrade is really hard to finish. Did Blanchfield submit her? Or did she Who? take her? Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, I think she submitted her rear naked okay. choke, I believe. Yeah, um, I'm taking Suarez here. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'm going to actually go... I, I think that she's going to out-wrestle her. I mean, she's going to have to weather that first round because Andrade is usually really explosive in that first round with the hands. Yeah. Um. So I think if she could weather that, then I could see her getting her down eventually, controlling her pretty well. And then I'm going to go with the second round submission. Yeah, the pick here is Suarez. Uh, and get on her now because she's only a minus 500 favorite in this fight. So uh, John's really... He's never even fought for a time. John's really putting his nuts out there, believe it or not. <laughs> Get that good price while you can, uh, and it's kind of crazy. Yeah, would you go back to the- so? Is it is it crazy that Jessica Andrade could win the fight? The former yeah, champion, mean, it's, it's fighting. who's beat it's, some it's, of the best women in the division. I mean, it's fighting. It's never crazy, but I mean, uh, what is crazy is when you go back to before that Blanchfield fight for Andrade. The conversation was that she was going to have her pick of the flyweight or strawweight title. Right? She said that coming in, like I'm going to decide. I hold the chips after this. Why this fight? And we sit here today, and she is on that two-fight losing streak, um, possibly on the verge of going to three straight if she loses, which would just be crazy. So I just wonder, even for Andrade, where is her confidence at coming into this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, because we know it's super high for somebody like Tantiana Suarez, who has spent so much time on the sidelines and came back in a super dominant win. She's ready to go. 
Now, she is dropping back down to the strawweight division where we saw her mainly competing, as John mentioned, before the long layoff. Um, so given the time off, maybe it could be interesting to see how she handles that weight cut. I, I would assume she's probably done some cuts down, you know, tests or something. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but Andrade's kind of just been bouncing back and forth herself between divisions, and I'm also just not a huge fan of that because um, I feel like she really wants to be a flyweight to avoid the big weight cuts, but she's realized that she's just way too undersized for the division. Um, but also, you know, something seems to just kind of regress for Andrade in the last two fights, and I'm not really sure what. It seems to be defensively in her striking somewhere, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like she's trying to rely so heavily on the power that she's just getting tagged up and outstruck by more technical strikers, um, and which I think is a growth just in women's mixed martial arts in general, right. right? Like, I think for so long she was able to just do that because nobody really wanted to strike with her. Um, but if Suarez can keep her punches straight, you know, keep a high guard, I think she'll find success on the feet that's going to lend itself to the wrestling really well um, because Andrade will be dangerous, as Brandon said, with that power early. Um, but obviously the takedowns, um, huge problem here for for Jessica Andrade. I think Suarez gets her down, submits her. What'd you say? I said second round submission. That's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> but what'd you say, John? I said um, by decision. So I'll take the first round submission then. I wouldn't be shocked by a first round sub. I think she looks to get it done quick, um, but I did have second round, Brandon, for what it's worth. So I am taking the minus 500 favorite. I know that's a shocker to John. <laughs> Three fights ago, she's, she beat the woman who's about to fight for the title. I'm actually going to go with the big favorite. The 5-1 to one favorite. <laughs> Do you know what that means? You would have to bet $500 just to win 100 Really? That's how, See, that's I, don't, how much, I don't understand odds like yeah, that. Yeah, that's so. how much of a favorite. It's pretty significant. That means uh, a lot of people think Tatiana <laughs> is going to win this fight. John, mm. we love you. Uh, never change. Let's get into the news. You guys pick the same person as me in that. Well, so. Nate always picks what I pick. So I think you guys just like give each other your answers, and then I'm the one that's getting pranked here. I think Brandon's like probably like... Uh, Bluetoothing into my stuff. Yeah. Because if not, notes. it's a collusion to get me yeah. into third. You think the That's guy who carries around a flip phone half the year is Bluetoothing into your stuff? But you do flip. You do mysteriously flip back and forth between the flip phone mm -hmm. and the I, iPhone. I do. You, you keep the iPhone on you too. So, and that mm -hmm. could just be to be accessing my stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to make sure. I'm gonna have to get on a VPN, the, yeah, <laughs> Express VPN, <laughs> going to sponsor us. <laughs> John, uh, what, what we got? What all we right, got? news is going to be very uh, fight announcement heavy. So yeah. let's jump into it. 295 now has a middleweight fight with big implications. Is Derek Brunson will face Roman Delize. Uh Rafael Faziv will be facing Mateusz Gamera at a headline for a fight night in September. On that same card, Dan Ige will be fighting Bryce Mitchell. Um, after a long layoff, Gige Chikase will be returning to face Alex Caceres. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez will be facing Santiago Ponzanibio. And Edson Barbosa will be facing Sadiq Youssef. Mm. Yeah, a lot of, you know, I feel like <clears throat> now every time we have uh, these big pay-per-views, we get a lot of fight announcements. So not surprised to see it. A lot of great fights. Big one for me. I'm just glad to see Giga Chikadze coming mm -hmm. back. It's um, almost 600 days off. Yeah, that's crazy. And I've just never really understood why. So mm -hmm. glad to see him coming back. Maybe just recalibrating. Yeah, but could be. Fun to yeah. see him. Yeah, that, Alex, right? Caceres? He's mm -hmm. fine. That's yeah, a fun he got, that fight with Cater was, whew, that was a rough one. So yeah, yeah he might have just needed some time. Um, also, last night or Saturday night, Bellator Risen 2 happened. Um, the co-main event, it was a no contest with Horiguchi. Uh, there was an eye poke, eye poke, I believe. In round one. Yeah, uh, but in the main event... Uh, but hold on, because that's significant, because that fight was for the inaugural 
uh, Bellator flyweight title. Yeah. And so, like, now there's still no Bellator yeah. flyweight. Oh, what a just a nightmare for Bellator. Like, that just absolutely, I mean, it's nobody's fault. Well, not but, only that, but that's also, you know, AJ McKee got pulled off of the card. Yeah. Like, it just. Yeah, but to be built, you know, and Horiguchi being so instrumental in trying to launch this flyweight division mm-hmm. for Bellator, and then that's how it kicks off. Uh, <laughs> just sucks, man. That but sucks. the biggest result being Patricky Pitbull beating Roberto D'Souza via TKO leg kicks. Now he advances into the semifinals of the lightweight grand. Pre. Because AJ McKee fell off, right? Because that was originally supposed to be his fight. Um, but De Souza, I told you guys, um, he's the risen lightweight champion, so that's still stiff competition. That's yeah, a um, huge win for him. Still a good win for Patricky, yeah, yeah. Um, and then lastly, in boxing, uh, earlier this week, uh, Noya Inouye put on an absolute clinic defeating yeah, Stephen Fulton. Nuts. Uh, many people are calling him to go up and wait. He's just. People probably don't know about him, but he's probably one of the pound for pound best fighters in the world. Scary good. Yeah. Um, and then also last night or Saturday night, the big one, Terrence Bud Crawford stamped himself as the first welterweight undisputed champion in the four belt era after his ninth round TKO over Errol Spence Jr. John, as the biggest boxing fan ever, can you name the four belts? Yeah, it's the WNO, WBC, Ring. I don't remember the fourth one. <laughs> So I'm not even a boxing fan, and I know him. I'm just trying to prove that boxing fans, are, and not just John, I just see a lot of social media boxing fans on big fights and everybody saying that. And I'm like, I would love to ask any of you guys, because I'm not a boxing fan. You ready for this? WBC, mm-hmm. WBO, Ring Magazine, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the IBF is that fourth one. Mm-hmm. You didn't say that last night, though. Did you look it up? No, no, I swear. You can look at my, I, I swear. I mean, you didn't have to put also, it in your notes to look at it. He also doesn't right. copy me, so. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can look at my notes. But, but huge huge performance by Terrence Bud Crawford, man. Yeah. Really put it on uh, Errol Spence. And, and, I'm, and I'm sitting here saying that might be wrong. So if you do know the four <laughs> titles. But I'm saying, I think it's WBO, WBC, Ring Magazine, and IBF. For you, box, very, for you boxing very fans. Very close to RBF. That's what I keep thinking. Yeah, which is, that's important too. Mm. You need that in boxing as well. Um, Terrence Bud Crawford, John, though. Uh, greatest pound for pound boxer right now? Do you think? I mean, you have to just because of beating somebody like Errol Spence, who was you know twenty eight and zero, yeah. had all three of, three of the belts, but only had one, and he had, and uh, Spence had faced the bigger opponents yeah. up to this point. Yeah, I just think it's funny because you know earlier in the week the Inouye fight is after that everybody was like Inouye's the best pound for pound boxer, and people don't even know him and this and that, and um, now you know Bud Crawford does that, and it's like I've already seen a lot of like he's the greatest pound for pound. Well, the problem is Inouye's in such a small weight class yeah. that the names aren't there right it's tough so he needs to go up to face the Some Shakur the Stevenson's Tank Davis which they might be too big for him but yeah, he that's needs that's what he's going to need to do if he wants to put himself over somebody like a Bud Crawford I think Jake Paul's best pound for pound <laughs> nah, <laughs> you might be onto something man hey Tommy hey, Fury wants to enter the chat there yeah that's that's a good point I'll say this uh if Tantiana Suarez is a shocker pick, then Jake Paul could be the best boxer. So, John, what you got song of the week? Fat Pat, Tops Drop, baby. Oh, the Lewis? The Derek Lewis. Thank you. I actually asked, I was like, dude, please, if Derek Lewis wins. Like, I'm almost, like, willing to risk getting flagged just to play it right now. I love yeah, it. Yeah, dude. It's as a, soon as that comes on, just like, oh. And I almost forget, too, that he comes out to it's it. It's becoming one of, like, the... Like, sometimes these fighters get a song that's, like... Because I don't know if he's always came out to it. Maybe he has. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I think it started in Houston. I think he did when he it, did the he, hometown. Yeah, I think, yeah. He's, I think he's done it almost every fight since. So now it's starting to, like, really attach to him, and it's a moment now every time he comes out, so... Go ahead with your one with. one for the people as well. Um, One for the people... Football's coming up, man. I'm, I'm excited for the, John the football Taylor's season. on his way out. He's not on his way out. Jim Irsay will sell his, his uh, Bob Marley collection before he does that and pay him. But, yeah, excited for football, man. It's been a long time. 
What you got, Brandon? What um, people? So we had the second chess club yesterday. You guys know I have a chess club, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. God, it's, dude. Um, Smash Brothers. Yeah. Chess club. Yeah. Yeah. So check. So yesterday was the second day because we do it twice a month, and we had uh, fourteen people there at one point. So I was where at? Cool. Where uh, do you do my this? church? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was mainly like church people then. No, no, no. I, I was the only one from the church. One, who who one started guy, it? Me. And my buddy Jay, you're the president. How do you even find yes. these people? You How did you yourself find? We president? just put it up on Facebook, and then people show up. All right, Brandon he just lives like seven lives. I don't even know what you really do outside <laughs> of this place. Besides <laughs> hacking your phone, yeah, your besides, yeah, and... <laughs> yeah. Uh, my one for the people. Did you win anything? Like what? No, what, we just, it a just a club. You just get together and play, and then we, if it's big enough, we can start doing tournaments. But this was the second day we've ever done it. Well, so. as the president, are you like running through people? Not, I'm not a president. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy. Of, I'm the guy who got a venue to have people come play chess. That's, he just doesn't want to be the face. He wants to be. Did you, you wanna, beat anybody? I beat everyone there except for John and Jay because they're really good. And this one kid who came in and ran the table on everybody. It's like four. So you didn't kid. beat her. You beat like you lost like seven people. No, I lost like. to three except for John, Jay, Mike. This one kid that came in. <laughs> yeah. Bryce came in and got me one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, my one for the people. Good luck to a couple of our Gaha guys fighting this week. Jaden Gowdy and Wilson Lopshire. Uh, Jaden is going for his first amateur flyweight title. Um, and Wilson is the undefeated and undisputed uh, training room champion, yeah, I believe. King of the training room. King of the training room. Um, <laughs> is, uh, That's what he asked us to call him. I feel so. like, yeah, I feel like he should just go with that. Wilson, king of the training room. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you got to be uh, a king somewhere. Yeah. So good luck to those guys. Um, and also, I have an interview. Interview with PFL welterweight champion Sadabu C dropping this week on MMA Underground. So please check that out when we share it in our story. Um, always appreciate people supporting that as well. Uh, so come back next week. We will talk UFC Nashville. And then we have a fight night, the mm-hmm. uh, RDA Luque, I believe, yeah. right after that. So and we're just three weeks away from another pay per view, which means another kickback. Get your butts ready. Yes, sir. Until then, see you guys. Peace. Peace.